Mara, and welcome to Meet Me in the Middle, the podcast that seeks out the middle ground in sometimes the wellness world, like today. Today is one of those times. <laughs> my name is Annika Buckle. And my name is Jenny Omani. And if you are enjoying our chats, we would really enjoy if you gave us a five-star review on the listening platform of your choice. Uh, reviews mean a ton. And uh, if you shared, that'd be cool too. It's just, we just love seeing you love us. It's a little egotistical, but we really like it. It's so fun. It's so fun. It's so fun. It's so fun. Um, speaking of fun, uh, we've been wanting to talk about this for a while. And I'm glad we f- took our time to like divvy it up appropriately and whatnot, because it's a good, it's a good topic. We are gonna talk about clean beauty. Woo! Which I actually shiver and cringe every time I hear that term because it's just such garbage, even without looking anything up. <laughs> garbage. Um, so let's uh so we're gonna our little workflow for the today is Annika's gonna bring us in with the history of clean beauty, and then I'm gonna kind of bring us into present day and talk a little bit about how this actually looks in terms of advertising and what clean beauty actually means. Spoiler alert, nothing. It's a, <laughs> it's a it is a made-up marketing term. <laughs> <laughs> Feel free to log off now. You've yeah. got the summary of everything that you need to know. Um, Literally fake news. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, this is um great. I have um I have a little bit to chat about. And uh just as a note, everything that um <laughs> everything that you hear uh Jenny and I talk about today, I will put in our show notes. So um, check out the check out the notes of this one because there's going to be some horrifying and also interesting things there for you. <laughs> oh, geez. Um, so if we're looking kind of specifically at the current iteration of clean beauty, you know, whatever that means in the way we think about it now, unsurprisingly, most people kind of peg this, the origin of this in the 1990s out of Southern California, right alongside the kind of clean eating trend. This is, I think, kind of the the genesis, the nexus of a lot of what we talk about in terms of like the quote unquote, you know, capital W, capital W wellness world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, you know, that part I don't think is really surprising. What I did find really interesting is, you know, of course, there's some earlier adopters in the 80s around this kind of idea of natural skincare, brands like Organics and Aveda. And of note I found which I love so much and I'm just gonna link this um in the chat um the first mention of this in print was a covergirl ad in 17 magazine in December 1969 (gasps) (laughs) covergirl yeah yeah so um do you want to just pull that up Jenny and talk a little bit about what you're seeing what year was this sorry 1969 1969. Okay. Yeah. Well, just because the image quality is actually very good. <laughs> so I wasn't I know, right? sure. And like, like wait everything, a minute. Whatever's what like old is new again. So I was totally. like, oh, like that actually. It that- also could be from yesterday. A hundred percent. Like I'm actually shocked because I thought you said the sixties and then I was like, oh, did she mean the night? I don't know. Like, right. okay. So anyway, so we've established that the photography is like top notch. Um, okay. So it is an ad. I just can't get over the fact that advertising in the 60s looked like this <laughs> this totally looks like how we do like okay we have changed nothing about how we style <laughs> everything old is still oh my old. gosh okay so it so it's a full looks like it's a full page spread if it were an ad and it says this is it and it's this picture of this very attractive conventionally attractive white woman hugging like a like a cable knit pillow Um, and she has very like natural, simple looking makeup on like this photo literally could be from today (laughs) and it says clean makeup in giant letters. And then of course, cover girl also in giant letters, but the sub, uh, heading is the look is real. The makeup is cover girl. So clean. It's like wearing no makeup at all. It does everything you want a makeup to do. Is that grammatically correct? Uh, makeup anyways, sorry. That's the point. Um, looks pretty, hides things, air quotes, (laughs) covers naturally without caking or turning funny colors. And then it does something no other makeup can. 
Protects your skin with clean Noxema medication. Oh, okay. Fights germs. Helps clear your complexion too. CoverGirl looks clean, feels clean. It's makeup that's good for your skin. Um, I think that some of our wellness warriors would absolutely attack the term <laughs> Noxema well, medication. This but- is what's so interesting, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. <laughs> but it just goes to show that in the 60s, what they considered clean was literally just from this picture, it seems like a minimalistic makeup. Right. Totally. And I mean, I think again, this is like where clean is like literally like clean, like a cleaning supply clean. And we'll talk in a little bit more detail about that in a minute because we'll go down a little bit. It's like, it's clean in terms, it's like minimalistic, like it, like, yeah, it's not, it's not insinuating every, anything beyond like, it doesn't, yeah, it just, it's min- it's like clean, minimalistic, simple. Well, crisp. and I yeah. know, I know we're not like, I know we're going to get into kind of the marketing side of this, but which has I shifted just, despite just, the fact that this image could be from today, right? The wording, <laughs> the is look is from today. The, the yeah. Is, the look resonates. The rest does not. Um, I'm just so struck by this concept of like, you're selling makeup by saying you can't see the makeup, right? It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Totally. Like, it, well, it's because everybody wants to just like, and they use the word naturally, like you just, mm-hmm. you want to naturally look like that. Like right. you just want to make sure that there's not, that nobody knows you're wearing makeup. You just have perfect flawless skin. Naturally. Naturally. <laughs> um, so in Canada, we regulate cosmetics under the Food and Drugs Act, first passed in 1920 after the creation of the Federal Department of Health in 1919, which I was kind of surprised that it was that late. But anyway. Um, 1919. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so yeah. the act was strengthened after the horrific problems caused by thalidomide in the 1960s. Oh, Yeah. That's an interesting topic, actually. Well, and so like, you know, what struck me, because of course I can't, I can't be me and like not go down the rabbit hole as I'm like, oh, Oh, so you learned all about Canada's part with the litter is it's fascinating. Well, and you know, I know it's not what we're talking about today, so I don't want to go on too much of a tangent, but you know, what really jumped out at me is, you know, I think that a lot of this kind of distrust of the government around health stuff really Mm -hmm. stems from specific things like this right look Mm -hmm. they didn't they didn't protect us from this before who's to say you know it's happened once it could happen again Mm -hmm. they didn't they didn't tell us it was dangerous Mm -hmm. you know whether you have like a you know quote a big p big h big pharma Mm -hmm. kind of fear around it or whatever that looks like i think you know for a lot of people this is kind of the nexus of that distrust And it's also, I think, your classic story that you people would like to extrapolate for everything, which is like you have this one person. Mm -hmm. She was a Canadian. Was she a physician or a pharmacist? I can't remember. Anyways, you have this one person. She's Canadian who was like, hey, man, there seems like there's some real um, adverse reactions to this medication and basically was shut down, shut down, shut down. And she, of course, in the end. Now we all know thalidomide was, I mean, did wonders for morning sickness, but also caused like just a catastrophic amount of birth defects. And so, but it's this story of this like whistleblower. Do you know what I mean? This one, this whistleblower who, who, who tried so hard and now in the face of, you know, and everybody, and this is it, right? In this situation, it's totally true, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't make it true for every single situation afterwards. What was that? Um, Don't look up. That movie from a couple of years ago, the oh, I don't know Leonardo DiCaprio, the um, oh, scientist pop culture saw right that, now. I don't know. <laughs> scientists, you know, saw this asteroid coming to hit Earth, and they kept telling everybody, and nobody believed them, or nobody mm. would listen to them, nobody would change their behavior. It's this, you know, thing we kind of want to extrapolate out. I think to your point, to everything, everything health, yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So, it, and it becomes this example, right? Where we right. say, Hey, like See? all this stuff is Look really tested. They'll be like, but, but right in the sixties and you're right. like, Oh, okay. Yes, that's true. But, but like change happened because of that horrible. 
Right. Like we do better than the 1960s now in terms of <laughs> drug regulation. Well, like, and actually goodness. on that, on that note, within cosmetic regulation, the Canadian government has created what's called the hot list, which is a list of ingredients that you can't use in cosmetics. Mm-hmm. Um, and I find this really interesting. I didn't realize this and I feel like you know, so often we hear about the U.S. and you know, and there are the eleven EU. banned ingredients. I might eleven have content there's in here. Only about eleven that. in the U.S. and there's thirteen hundred <laughs> yeah. in the EU. And if Canada's mentioned, it's like an afterthought. Like, oh, it's like five hundred. But I was fascinated to see how often this list is updated. Mm. A few times every year. Sometimes mm-hmm. you know, three or four. Usually, we see items added. But I also find it interesting that sometimes items come off. But there's, that makes that makes perfect sense, though. Of course, you get more information. Right? There's yeah. this push to really follow whatever the most recent science says. And I think this is kind of in a lot of ways, the antidote to that, like mm-hmm. the fear of the thalidomide thing is like, this is what we learned. We learned now we have to do better. We can't just, you know, yeah. leave something as is. And that makes the science hard to trust for some people because it is ever changing right. as it should be. As it should be. Because it yes. should be changing. Mm-hmm. We're not. Yeah. We can't just decide something, dig in and never look into it again. Right. When that's actually how problems are created. Totally. That actually is what creates problems, not revisiting something and, you know, changing. And that's actually what happened with thalidomide. Right. 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 They're like, no, no, our preliminary information was no, no, this is fine. So it's fine. Rather than like, Hey, we have new science and maybe it says it's not fine. And yeah, you know. no, it should always be changing, but that yeah. does make it really tricky because I think, and we'll talk about this mm-hmm. at the consumer level, consumers want to be savvy and they yeah. also want to sound first for, you know, aesthetics purposes or whatever. They want to sound like they know what they're talking about, but there's a lot of things in life that it's actually super fine to not know what you're talking about right. because there are people that are designated experts in that area. Yeah. Yeah. And that's okay. Like, well, you, and you, you to be can't good be good at everything, right? Like if somebody has spent, you know, four years of higher education, studying something, they are yeah. going to understand it differently than you purveyor of one Google search. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, so as we're kind of going through this little history lesson, I do want to take a little bit of a diversion further back because one of the things that has been consistently problematic around kind of everything in beauty around the kind of quote unquote beauty aesthetic has been how very, very white it is. Oh, We've talked about yeah. this before in the wellness world, right? How problematic it is to have a space that's explicitly or even just implicitly very white, very thin, mm-hmm. very able-bodied. But when we look at the language and marketing of like cleaning and beauty products in particular, it gets really icky, for lack of a better word. Yeah. Um, and spoiler, what surprised me is how recent some of these racist ad campaigns are, but we'll get there in a second. So oh. I'm going to share a few of these photos in the um, chat. Like I said, they're all going to go up in our show notes too. So if you want to also see how a picture is worth a thousand words. Oh, man. <laughs> Am I gonna be mad? We're gonna start in the 1800s because oh, good when we could own other people. Yeah, what could possibly go wrong? And I'm sure there will be no problematic advertising in these days. Um, yeah, but this was this very kind of Victorian idea of cleanliness is tied to the concept of imperialism, Victorian su- superiority. There is a plethora of options to choose from, horrible ads to choose from, but oh. this is one of the most famous. So this is a pears soap ad oh I, I think i know what this is I'm sure you do oh oh i have seen this no yeah so do you want to just tell us what you're no what you're it seeing? should never be okay so i see the date it says i think 8 1785 or is that oh established i think that's when the company was founded yeah um okay so i don't this let's start with the least offensive which is i guess the words um i have found pears soap matchless for the hands and complexion and then it's a signature that's got to be some like well-known person probably quoting the product (laughs) yeah some like i don't know spokesperson um and there is a picture of a small white boy it looks like he's got a little a jaunty little apron and some socks and he has a uh equally small little black boy that he's put in a bathtub and he is going to uh, clean the boy presumably with pears soap and when the little black boy comes out of the bath his body is white he's literally ethnically cleansed him (laughs) 
know, it's I know. so and like the way that they've drawn the facial features mm-hmm. of this little black boy is just so offensive like it's mm-hmm. just like they've tried to take every character um it's how, it's how it's do we make so offensive how do we yeah, make this it, person look as little like a person as possible right? totally that's what it is it's it's mm-hmm. it's like as um overtly dehumanizing mm-hmm. um yes. as you could possibly make an ad like it's it's yeah yeah i don't want to look at this anymore i have to no close it ad. so yeah. uh, there is a worse one that i'm oh, not fuck. gonna <laughs> i will <laughs> i'm gonna put it in i'm gonna you know i'll put it up in our notes but please like content warning um this is it's awful yeah so i mean this is the kind of context in the history around when we look at you know what's the aesthetic what is this what are these products promising to do they're promising to make you clean they're promising to make you white because those two are synonymous you know really fascinating around this i think is looking at the way in this kind of time the creation of the idea of like quote unquote whiteness was really necessary to link to cleanliness and reinforce mm-hmm. this idea that clean is white. Um, I read a really fascinating article in the guardian and I'll again, link it in the show notes, but I'm going to read this quote that really stuck with me as we kind of look at this as though aware of their own guilty conscience, the evangelists of the religion of whiteness were always desperate to prove that it was something other than just prejudice where the Bible still held sway. They bent the story of Noah's son ham into a divine apologia for white supremacy. When anatomy and anthropology gained prestige in the 18th and 19th centuries, they cited pseudoscientific markers of racial difference. When psychology took over in the 20th, they told themselves flattering stories about divergences in IQ. And I think this kind of comes to what we see as this very, you know, it upholds, media becomes this tool to uphold and reinforce. And then when we live in this very deeply capitalist system, it becomes this consumption that establishes and reinforces this marketing and this media that continues to hold the narrative. Yeah. And I think also because I was just thinking that, you know, in the 1800s, uh, you would have a good chunk of your working population who was illiterate. So -hmm. they've put a lot of effort into the drawings to be able to carry the message without words. So it just makes it like extra, I don't know, dubious because they've, they've like on two sides, like the the thoughts that's gone in, like so often now we see marketing campaigns that just go horribly wrong. Like, (laughs) Oh, we're about to talk about, we're about to talk about. Oh, good. Okay. Whereas I think, then like the amount of effort they would have had to do I don't know I mean it's just it's just as bad now but I think the volume of ads that are being produced now means that you're more likely to have stuff slide past right the barriers yeah 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 when we consume so much right it's like right like you're just cranking out ads whereas then like there was a lot of thought I don't know it's just as bad it's just bad in a different way and more overtly it also just makes you wonder or realize like what was just so acceptable mm-hmm. like if mm-hmm. that's going in a newspaper and it's not like people were outraged and like no it, like there was like, no backlash no no right? no, 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 no at like, least well, at least the two that we're about to talk about there was significant enough backlash that they both yes. were taken down but you know it really is just building on this history that already exists right so mm. you know plot twist of course this is still going on in more modern ways um mm-hmm. this ad that i'm gonna send you is it a plot twist uh <laughs> It's, it's from, just the same thing. Nothing. This smooth, is this switched. is 2011. So this is a Dove ad from. Oh no! Ten years ago. I see what they were trying to do. Right. Right. <laughs> oh no! But they oh. they haven't done it. It's, they it's didn't do it. no. It's okay. not great. So, so the just okay. <laughs> so there are three women in the foreground that I will describe later, but in the background there's like a two swatch like skin swatches and one's supposed to be dry scaly skin and it says before and then there's this like you know when they zoom in to skin to be like look how dry the skin is and then they it's like it's like zoomed in skin and then the after is like nice and smooth and moisturized and it's like a it's a shower body wash i'm trying yeah it's body wash so they're basically saying like look our body wash takes your skin from this to this unfortunately (laughs) um the women in the foreground of the photo there are three women one is standing in front of the before, one is essentially standing in the middle between the two, and then one is standing in front of the after. 
And there is a black woman in front of the before, a non-white woman. I can't, it's too small for me to see, but she's, she's not white woman in the middle and a white woman on the, it's after. like, it's like, she's not white, but she's whiter than black. I mean, who's just, she's actually probably American. Let's be yeah. her family's all, there for, they're all for generations. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but anyways, um, yeah. So basically the optics is, is that you go from dry, scaly, undesirable skin to beautiful, perfect skin. And in that trajectory, you go from a black woman to a white woman it's bad and if that wasn't bad enough this next ad i'm going to show you was from 2017 what year was that dove one from 2011 okay so like you know you 10 should, years yeah. ago yep this one was from five years ago now this was actually originally a video clip but i'm just okay. gonna show you the still because um the still really says it all so it shows a woman taking off her shirt what the fuck? She's a black woman and she takes off her shirt and she's a white woman underneath. And I don't understand just, what they're even trying to sell here. It's like it's it was like a moisturizer. I know, so but it, but I don't understand. <laughs> it's it like you like become a new rate. you. But doesn't it look so much like that very first pair's ad? Yeah, like why would you there is no absolutely no excuse in what this is 2017? Right. There is like, no, 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 no. Like there's no, like, right. I no. mean, look, there wasn't any excuse in, <laughs> in 1901, but there certainly no, isn't. There was not an excuse in 1901, but there was a collective, um, there was a different understanding that, uh, we could be overtly racist right. as a society. And then that was okay. And it was fine. Right. And it was fine, which it wasn't, but like, we don't, I hope we do not. I hope we are the opposite now. And this is like, just. I hope Except the marketing team got fired. Ago, right? right. So, Fuck. I mean, this is the thing, right? Still to this day, I think we're caught in this idea that clean is white and it always takes us to problematic territory. You know, this is not even touching on the whole category of skin lightening, but we're, we're not here trying uh... to make this a six hour episode. So I'm just going to I'm so confused up. by this ad. I just, I don't, I don't know how, I don't know how this, I don't know how someone sat at a table in so if this was released in 2017, it was maybe made in what, 2016? Yeah. And was like, okay, guys. I've got here's it. The, here's the concept for our ad. We turn a black woman into a white woman. Everybody's going to love oh it. Oh my God. Well, we know who the avatar for Dove is. <laughs> um, You know, I just want to finish up with kind of something else around this that I continued to come up against in my searching, which I think is really interesting. Um, and that's this huge push of articles written in kind of, you know, mid to end of 2020 and into 2021 around how the clean beauty movement is problematic because it's so not inclusive. Mm -hmm. You know, there isn't the breadth of colors for all skin colors in quote unquote clean products, how black women, you know, often use more cos cosmetics than white women. And this compounds the impact of ingredients, you know, this kind of racial reckoning of the mid 2020 really highlighted that in a new way. Um, but I'm really curious to hear, um, Jenny, like I, I want to dig into the kind of marketing side and, and, mm. our, and our, um, your hypothesis and probably solution that this is actually just all bullshit. <laughs> Well, you know, it's funny that you mentioned, well, we were just talking about um, like products and black skin versus white skin. I just was watching this um, chemist that I follow on Instagram. Gosh, I can't remember his name. I can, I'll we, give you, we can link him. Yeah. Um, he's a black cosmetic chemist um, and he, well, he's a cosmetic chemist and he is also a black man. And he um, was talking about how one of the big issues with sunscreens, especially air quotes, natural sunscreens is that they're made with zinc or titanium dioxide as their base and so that is a white so in order to make them more friendly air quote friendly for colored skin they um end up just mixing colors but the base is still white right. so he's like you're gonna get a white cast like black people right. will look gray right right because so and what he had done was shared sunscreens that for people that do have darker colored skin so that mm -hmm. they don't look like that that actually blend because he because one of the sort of old standing myths is that people with dark skin don't need sunscreen right and it's like well no like melanin lots heavily melanated skin will maybe not burn 
but you're still but you're gonna damage it right it it can still be damaged you're still yeah well and (laughs) i mean some of those things cancer like they since sunscreen even don't hardly rub in on my very white husband so it's like (laughs) totally so anyways it was just interesting because he focused on just how just even by having messaging that like a mineral sunscreen is cleaner and better mm-hmm. is just you're creating a shittier product for people with darker skin. Right. Because right. it will not blend, like it will not right. work well with their skin tone. It's not right. possible. It's white. It is a white right. base. Right. Anyways, he's a really interesting guy. Um, and he posts good content that's very because he's a chemist. So he's like, well, no. Right. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> <Here's> chemistry. <laughs> um, so I think whenever we use a term that the best thing to do is to open with a definition of the term. And herein lies the problem. Uh-huh. There is no definition of clean beauty because it's actually not a thing. It is not a thing. There is no agreed upon definition. And that's what we're going to see woven through a lot of the, I mean, debunking, if you will, um, the more of sort of the, the critical lens of looking at clean beauty and we are going to talk about some of the merits of the general concept of it, but, but the gist of it is like, there is no definition for what clean beauty means. There's, there isn't, it doesn't exist. It's a, it's a marketing term. Mm-hmm. So it's not actually a regulatory term. It says nothing about what ingredients are or aren't in something. It says nothing about how products are made, how they are impactful on the environment. It says nothing. It is a marketing term. So there, what it implies though, is that it's non-toxic, natural, or my personal favorite, chemical free. <laughs> um, I will just say this. If you ever see anybody refer to something as chemical free, you can know, you can 100% know that they do not know what they are talking about because nothing is chemical free. Everything is made of chemicals. They are mistaking um, like hazardous chemicals with right. like regular, like water is a chemical. Right. Everything is a chemical. Everything Human beings chemical. are made up of chemicals. We are it's... chemicals. <laughs> so I think that if you have someone, especially someone who's trying to sell you something, as soon as they say chemical free, they, you know that they don't know what they're talking about. And that is not a reputable source of information. Hands down. The end. Um, so it really leans into the, the nature is best fallacy, which, you know, we've talked about a lot, which is that like, oh, if it's natural, it's going to be good for you. And I mean, the easiest way to sort of counter that is that the most deadly things on the planet are natural, <laughs> right? Like what is an atomic bomb made of? Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like these are, right. Well, and these this are, is the other thing. <laughs> Right. It's, it's the dose makes the poison. Like water this is, is exactly dangerous water at is a high enough concentration. Very right? deadly. Mm-hmm. Yes. Water is very deadly. If you, um, consume it at a super high rate, you can kill somebody like without any question. So it, it's any, anytime we lean into nature is or natural is best. Nature is best. It, it's just not true. It's just not true. It is once again, it's more of a lifestyle, um, or a concept it's marketing. When people mm-hmm. say, you know, it's natural or anything like that. Um, what, so we can pick apart the fact that the name means nothing, but the Coles Notes version of what somebody who believes in or is a proponent of clean beauty, what they mean for the most part is that um, there's non-toxic ingredients. There's not going to be certain preservatives and ingredients um, in these products. Now, the problem with that is um, most of the, ingredients and preservatives that that get mentioned in this category are ones that have been shown to be toxic to animals in massive 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 quantities like just Mm. whopping whopping quantities so they'll say like parabens terrible awful horrible and they are in super high high doses usually ingested is how they deem Mm. the toxicity um and it's in animals not actually in humans and the thing is, is that the tiny, tiny, tiny amounts that are then used in cosmetics and beauty products um, to keep them shelf stable, it's just, it's not, you. it's apples and oranges. You can't say, well, hey, the paramins cause like endocrine disruption in like mice. It's like, well, sure. They like the dose that they gave that mouse, mm-hmm. sure, absolutely did. Just same way you could kill the mouse with water. Right. 
like it doesn't it does it says it doesn't mean we shouldn't drink water (laughs) and it says absolutely nothing about how those ingredients impact us as human beings not animals um in tiny doses used topically versus being ingested um now one of the things that is can be a merit of this sort of industry is that there are some companies who do a lot of advocation um, for ingredient transparency. Um, and this looks like, um, you know, forcing or advocating for definitions of terms like natural fragrance, natural flavoring. Uh, these are terms that um, don't necessarily have concrete definitions within regulatory industries and regulatory right. bodies. So that's not a bad thing to say, hey, if on the label it just says natural fragrance and that can mean a myriad of things, like it needs to be more clear. So, but right. what is the natural fragrance? What, like, what does that mean? Does that mean um, like orange essential oil? Does that mean some other derivative? Like what is Extract that Extract of beaver anus gland? <laughs> like what is it? That is also natural. Right. So, so it's not a bad thing to push for more definition um, in terms of what is okay to be in products. That's not bad at all. So that is actually a good thing um, that has sort of come from this. I don't even want to call it a movement because I think that gives it more credit than it deserves. Um, it's more about creating standardization at a high level from like a gov- government regulatory standpoint. Right. So um, you have something to measure things against, right? Exactly. It does feel a little bit kind of like the wild, wild west right now, right? Well, like somebody's never, wild, never wild list. <laughs> somebody's never, never list is, you know, 8,000 ingredients and somebody else's is 40 uh, ingredients. And yes, w- one, it, it's hard to say, you can't say one is necessarily better than the other when you don't have the context. A hundred percent. And, and aiming to use non-toxic products in certain circumstances is also not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. I think right? we, it's important to come back to what we say all the time. Like you do, you boo, you find something that 100%. works for you. You want to seek those things out. Awesome. Absolutely. We should do that. But how do we look at holding, you know, larger capitalist systems accountable. (laughs) And I mean, like from a cleaning product perspective, I have an all purpose cleaner that is honestly great for the day-to-day stuff, but I have this very porous tile in our bathroom. It's like this beautiful earthy tile. The previous owners put it in and it needs like a special sealant to be put on it. Right. So if I want to preserve the integrity of the expensive tile that someone, you know, put in our bathroom, I also need to treat it with products that are going to actually take care of it. And that, right. that doesn't align with a non-toxic product. Right. Right. So it's, it's that middle ground. So it's like, okay, so if we're going to use certain things to clean our bathroom, I mean, there's a window in the bathroom, there's a fan in the bathroom. We're not going to bathe in them. We're just going to clean right. the tile with it and wash it off. Like it's that sort of stuff. Like we don't need to swing the pendulum. Right. 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 Which is what we see a lot of um, with this fear-based mongering. It would not be a conversation about clean beauty without goop showing up. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and really, I think even as we're looking at history, it really is kind of the push forward of Mm -hmm. like the goopism of Mm -hmm. wellness that's really created this whole category. Mm -hmm. And what's really interesting is um, they, I know there's a term for it, where basically the the party that is sort of deemed guilty um, kind of like creates their own rope to hang themselves with with their own definition. I don't know. There's some right s- sociological term for this. But anyways, goop um, is quoted like one of the goop spokespeople is quoted when they talk about their ingredients and their priorities. They say goop prioritizes ingredients that are ethically sourced of non-animal origin and cruelty-free, and we use sustainable or renewable bio-based sources wherever possible. And I think that, and that sounds great. But I think the key word here is prioritizes. Uh, uh-huh. It does not. That does not mean that they do not use it's anything not an, else. It's not like a quote, never, never list, right? No. Right. And 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 actually, that's how any business, if they want to be a bit more eco-conscious or whatever, like you do want to prioritize certain right. things. We're, all, we're always prioritizing things. It's just 100%. prioritizing, right? But you're not, you are not creating, air quotes, the cleanest clean, 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 you're just prioritizing a certain type of ingredient Mm -hmm. over another. Um, and I just wrote a little comment here because I do find this really funny. 
I also can't ignore how many clean beauty sort of advocates that are all over like, don't use that product and blah, 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 blah. Also love the use of neuromodulators, which is <laughs> Botox. I also love the use of neuromodulators. I don't use Botox. I use um, Dysport. Um, I have no problem with that. I just find it absolutely hysterical that well, people who are so fanatical and a lot of them end up being like vaccine hesitant or anti anti-vax and like the same freaking preservatives are in that bottle. Uh, if you use Zeoman or Dysport or Botox, like you're, it's the same shit. Well, I mean, I remember <laughs> even having that cognitive dissonance, like, you know, listening to somebody talk about, you know, don't, don't use this. Don't let your kids eat this food. You know, yeah. don't use Tylenol while having like perfectly manicured hands and dyed yeah. hair. And I mean, yeah. all of those things are those oh, yeah. things too. If you're going to take issue, take issue, right? Fine. But it's that incongruous opinion, right? It's like, these ones are bad. These ones that make me look good are fine. But these other ones that are going to make your life easier, those are terrible. But they also pretend they don't do the neuromodulators. And I just find that really funny because there is somebody I know who is very fearful of ingredients and lifestyle and all this stuff. And I was doing a little Instagram snoop and was like, that is a spocked eyebrow because you need one more unit of Botox on that one side. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's what that is anybody right. who's uh you know medical aesthetics person would be like we got to fix that spock and it's fine like i said my forehead has not moved naturally in years <laughs> and i love that and I you're am, happy with that i yeah. am so happy with it and i'm also very much very forward with it because if anybody ever asks me about skincare or whatever the first thing i say is that i see a medical esthetician who does botox and i do microneedling because products will only take you so far and that's okay, but you also can't pretend that it's like your clean beauty routine when you've gone for more invasive or more expensive procedures. Because a hundred percent, like to me, I feel like I just need to be honest about that. And everybody can do their own thing. But if for if I was to be like, it's um, the argan oil is that I only use on my face and nothing else. It's like, well, it's not true. Right. Right. It's not true. <laughs> It's actually Jillian. It's my yeah. favorite human, Jillian. <laughs> that is why my skin looks good. Okay, anyways, we're <laughs> clean beauty. Um, the other part of this that I want to go into a little bit that I find so fascinating, and we've talked about this, Annika, and I would love to look into this more. I just don't know where to start because it's so big. But when we talk about um, biotech, biotech is actually, like, if we want to look at products and lifestyle and our impact on the planet. Mm -hmm. These are good things to look at. Yeah. But clean beauty and using um, air quotes, natural products is actually not um, what's best for the planet. And not even arguably like it's, it's, it's like when you look when, and I looked into this a bit when we were talking about beyond beef, because the agricultural practices Agriculture is good. We need agriculture. It's the over, it's the degree of agricultural practice that is needed to right. sustain the amount of people that we have. That is a problem. That's the problem. <laughs> I am not slagging farmers. Like we need them. Yes. We need them. However, the where the problem comes is that when you have these brands or I guess consumers of brand products that believe natural ingredients are going to be better than lab grown ones. But lab-grown ingredients use less water, Mm -hmm. they're less labor-intensive, and there's less spoilage and waste. Right. Um, Biotech actually kind of comes in and, like, you're not going to have, like, if you have a bad rain season, you could have a whole crop just wiped out. Yeah. Well, and uh, this is something that I came across, too, that I think is really interesting. We also can run into issues like, oh, you know, sandalwood is awesome for the skin. Well, sandalwood is over harvested, is endangered. Like how is it being sourced? What does that mean for, you know, the future of sandalwood trees when our goal is, you know, we need pure sandalwood at all costs, you know, but you can make, where does that leave us? But biochemically you can create this something with the same properties of sandalwood and it's going to, you know, result in less deforestation is going to result in less water consumption. Water consumption is a huge part of a lot of this. Um, and when you look at, you know, these plant-based products, a lot of them like for trees, 
for resin, like, because that's what sandalwood, they're taking, like, resin, I believe, for sandalwood, isn't it? I think so. And if they tap the trees and get too much, they kill the trees, right, for a lot of these sort of tree-based products. So if you overdo it, like, if you try to, like, push your production off of these trees, you're going to end up killing your whole crop. And a lot of these trees take a long time to grow. Like, I mean, Mm -hmm. trees don't just, like, pop up overnight, pop up and then be except maybe tea tree, but (laughs) oh my God, or bamboo. If anybody's ever planted bamboo, you know, that shit grows and you can't kill it. But, but the point is that the scale that Mm -hmm. is that we are consuming these products at biotech can actually do it much more effectively. And it can be more consistent in terms of the chemical properties because chemicals are in everything. Whereas when you have mm-hmm. plants, there can be a huge variation in the chemical properties. From one properties. season to the next, it was a 100%. rainy season. The yeah. soil was weird in this new area that we grew it or whatever it is, right? Well, because when you are trying to cr- produce things at a high scale, you're going to end up growing things not where they grow best. Right. Yeah. Right. You're just going to plant the shit and try and harvest it and all this stuff. And that's going to impact the quality of it. Mm-hmm. Um, if you, it, It's really going to have a huge impact impact at the end product and how good that end product is. Whereas biotech can do that in just a way like legitimately cleaner way, more effective, Mm -hmm. less carbon footprint, um, less water because stuff like, um, we talked about sandalwood, but argan, juniper, shea, these are things that are super over harvested. And it's a huge Mm -hmm. problem right now because people want to put shea butter in everything. They want to do, you know, like and that's actually, we used argan oil in some of our products. And it's one of the reasons I closed her business down is I was mm. like, this is not sustainable to keep using these products mm-hmm. or creating these products. I didn't want to be a part of that. Um, right. I also didn't want to be a part of the clean beauty industry anymore because that's right. what, whether you want to call it that or not, that's what people attach to your, your brand. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, synthetic products are consistent and easier to ensure purity with. Um, they're not susceptible to mineral changes, soil contamination. Like you can just set up these production facilities and make these products just in a much more effective way and just let the trees grow and be trees. Well, and I think, you know, kind of to extrapolate a little bit what you're saying, it's not that there's anything wrong with shea or sandalwood inherently, right? It's No, they're great. It becomes, you know, what is the scale? What does it mean when that, you know, I was digging into the business side a little bit as I was looking at this, you know, when we're seeing 13, 14, 15% year over year growth in the category, what that means is exponentially more ingredients required, exponentially more products, right? Well, and 15% of the end product, you've got to believe that that goes like, it's not um, linear. You would right. have to have way more, like if we're talking about shea or argan or whatever, like mm-hmm. your crops are going to be, have to be way more at a, a larger scale to account for waste and, and whatnot to get to that end right. 15% increase, right? So that's not just about a 15% bigger right. um, yes. farm, right? right? Like if, <laughs> right. If you, I don't know what the number would be, but you, maybe you're looking at 30 or 40%, like whatever you would how you would have to factor in your average waste. Well, and even if you can be incredibly efficient, even if we wanted to be benefit of the doubt and say, fine, I mean, it's 15% this year and then it's 15% next year. And then it's 15% yeah, the year totally. That, right? It's, it's still it's, more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not sustainable is I think it's a well-intended something that can start well-intended mm-hmm. because I don't think, I mean, I was going to say, I don't think any, but I think very few people within that are proponents for clean beauty want to contribute to deforestation or want like that's not what they're they're not like a bunch of like burn it all down no. so that I can have yeah well they're and not I think, factoring that in yes they're not because, thinking about they just don't know no and I think a lot of it is you know <laughs> I hate to scooby-doo it was capitalism all along but like you it know was capitalism all, all it really was the the emphasis always ends up, the responsibility always ends up on the end consumer, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're not looking into, you know, where the shea is being sourced from and what that looks like and, you know, how they're managing their year over year growth, um, you, those things become invisible because it's well, they're also the made invisible on purpose. Yes. yes. Sorry, because they of, don't become, it's not like you don't you want don't someone wand, to but. know. Yeah. Like if you're a producer of argan oil you don't want people to know how much wastage goes into your right product the same way like animal farmers like in these big slaughter like these big like 
uh, you know, like cow farms that just churn out beef, like they don't want you to know how many cows died from disease or do you know what I mean? Like that's, that's not information that wastage is not something that companies want you to know about. It's bad for business. Mostly people don't want to hear about it anyway, right? No, because then they have to think about whether changing their behavior, Yeah, which a lot of people don't have the bandwidth for. Mm-hmm. Which is and again, fair. I think this is again the problem where everything becomes the consumer's responsibility. Yes, when we're already, as I think almost everyone is all the time, already tapped out. A hundred percent. Or you finally found something that works. I think, especially when we're talking about skincare, and oh, you and yeah, I have yeah, had this yeah. conversation. It's yeah. like you finally found something that works. It's like, sorry, you can't use that anymore. Like, Damn it! <laughs> yeah, but it works. But it works. Can I secretly use it? Right. Um, <laughs> I just won't share that I'm using it. Um, so we've talked a little bit about the um, EU ban mm-hmm. list. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to pretend that I have a full understanding of um, these practices. It's very complicated. I did actually start looking into how they create regulation practices and whatnot. It's like it is its own niche, niche, niche niche but what you hear number wise a lot is so the eu now it's i think it's 1380 something ingredients so we'll say 1400 we'll round up yeah the eu has banned about 1400 ingredients from the use in cosmetics and the u.s is only banned 11 and canada is only banned like 500 and something or whatever yeah but here's here's the thing rocket fuel (laughs) is on that list nobody's ever putting rocket fuel in a moisturizer like they're just there's no benefit right there's literally no reason that you would do you wouldn't use it as a filler to like save money or do you know what i mean like preservative to right right so like the eu what they have done in their approach is literally say absolutely not all of these things cannot be put in cosmetics, whether anyone would feel inclined to put them in cosmetics or not. That's just their approach to how they made their list. It's just a different way of approaching it. It's just a different way. And their regulatory system is different than the ones in Canada, which is different than the ones in the States. Like they're, they're different. The EU is also many countries. Right. (laughs) So like, it's not one country. It'd be like if Canada and the U S got together and made one giant FDA, like, that's going to look different than when the U.S. has the FDA and we have Health Canada. Right, right. Right? I don't actually know how many countries are in the EU, but if you look at that map, there's like, there's a lot. It is it's, not <laughs> one country. Right. There's right. many. It's Which is great. If you're ever in Europe, man, you can just like take a train to like 10 countries in a day and you're you're not going through customs every time. It's great. But the point is, it's a collection of countries that have had to get together and agree on how they right. want to restrict So things. if this country <laughs> has, you know, these four ingredients on the list, they'll only agree to the list if they add those four ingredients. 100%. Even if it's no politics. Other country has them. Yeah. Well, I'm yeah. only signing off on that list if X, Y, and Z are in there. And if fine. you don't put rocket fuel on there, forget it. I'm not it. signing off, right? right? So this is this is the thing. So, yeah. But what the EU does that I you do not hear the clean beauty industry talking about, and I love this, you are not allowed they have regulated the use of terms that you can use in your advertising. Mm. You cannot say something is chemical free because that is categorically not true. Because it's a lie. Yeah. You cannot say something's preservative free because you actually aren't allowed to sell preservative free products. Do you know how long a preservative free product would last in a fridge in a carefully controlled environment? Three days. This is the piece I think (laughs) that we also don't hear about is, you know, if you're, if you have something that maybe has, you know, whatever a natural preservative is, that's not going to make it as shelf stable for as long. What happens if you're yeah. using that past its shelf stability? What risk are you putting your health at? Well, at it's that not like point, it's going to go moldy. Right? It's not like it's food that's going to go moldy and you're going to know, know it's off. Right. 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 So this is the thing. So in the EU, you are not allowed. They have a list of claims that you are not allowed to make on your products. Mm-hmm. Chemical free, preservative free, toxin free. They have a whole list. Like you're not allowed to say this is X amount. This is X free because it's misleading um, marketing. Hmm. It's banned. Hmm. Don't you think that's so cool? So products, packaging, marketing, you are not allowed to use these terms in the EU. Interesting. Never heard. The environmental working group mentioned that. They just mentioned the 1,400 uh, banned ingredients. (laughs) Well, and I mean, the other thing that I read that I thought was very interesting around this is just because something isn't 
on the kind of the flip side of this, just because something isn't on that banned list doesn't mean anybody's using it, right? Like, just because even if it is something, you know, that might be considered more whatever, quote unquote, toxic, some some version of a paraben is not on that list, but like, nobody's ever going to use that. So it actually doesn't need to be on the list. It's fine. It doesn't matter, right? Totally. Totally. And what's interesting is that when they actually, when you look at um, reports of skin irritation and allergic reactions to products, you actually see the highest amount of reported allergic reactions. So these are reported reactions. They're they're reactions that have been bad enough that somebody sought like medical attention and they've been documented, right? So like, let's just take that with a grain of salt. Well, also just know that there, these, there's going to be a whole lot of most skin reactions are unreported. Right. Right. If right. I use, if I use something, it's, I get a rash. I'm not like showing up at my emergency you're not, department. You're not calling up the, 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 right. Health Canada to tell them about it. It's actually essential oils are the largest, um, product for inducing dermatitis and skin reactions, mm. um, and citrus extracts. And we all know citrus is one of the, when you're using natural fragrance, citrus can carry the most sort of smell Mm -hmm. um, because synthetic fragrance is going to last a lot longer. A lot of people are sensitive to synthetic fragrances. I, even though I am not crunchy or anything like that, like I don't like synthetic fragrances. They give, like, I just don't enjoy them. I don't always get a headache, but like, I don't, I seek fragrance free sort of products. Um, but you see a lot of citrus and essential oils used for natural mm-hmm. scenting, and they're a huge cause of skin irritation. I'm documented. So, like the skin irritation that's bad enough that people have sought help mm-hmm. <laughs> are mm-hmm. from natural ingredients. They're not from, you know, these uh, synthetic ones because synthetic ingredients. What's so cool in the lab is if they create an ingredient that's really beneficial in, say, like a, a skin, like a moisturizer but people are having reaction to it. They can literally just in the lab, remove the protein that is reactionary reacting. Right. And then it's done. Boop, boop. So in terms of, if you're looking for hypoallergenic Mm -hmm. things that are going to be really sensitive for your skin barrier, um, you're not going to want to use air quotes, natural products. You're going to want to use products that have more lab produced, um, components and ingredients, because that's actually how you're going to get something that's is categorically hypoallergenic for sensitive skin, the rest of it. That's why when you see like dermatologist recommended, I, I didn't look into that term, but what I'm suspecting that means is that there's, it contains ingredients that are known and agreed upon for sensitive skin by like, probably like the American college of dermatology or do you know what I mean? Like, right. It's like four out of five dentists with the toothpaste or whatever. Right. It's like, totally. it's like, I I've checked these boxes off. Therefore I can say this, this thing. So, I mean, it's, it's really interesting. I mean, even to kind of that point, like even a term like, you know, any of the ones that we've just been using, a lot of those don't have definitions either. No, no. And I think that's where this industry does have some potential for good change Mm -hmm. is to make some agreed upon terms. Mm -hmm. What can you say is a natural fragrance? What does natural mean? Like, let's Mm -hmm. make a definition that is enforceable. Mm hmm. I would love to see like what the EU's done, some restrictive language for marketing. Um, you see their environmental working group and Think Dirty um, used a lot for people's, uh, I guess people will say, hey, these are great tools to see how clean your products are. We talked a bit about environmental working group and we talked about the Dirty Dozen and the Clean 15. Um, my business actually was approached by Think Dirty. We were in a Think Dirty box. Ah. Do you know how Think Dirty works? <laughs> I can't wait for you to tell me. And I, like, this is firsthand information. I didn't sign an NDA or anything, but like you, you pay. So they approached right. me and said, hey, you look like a great fit for Think Dirty. Do you want to be in our app? Oh, sure. I want to be in your app. How do I do that? You pay. They never asked for anything. I didn't send them any chemical, like I didn't no send them documentation, nothing. I didn't even send them product I did for their box, but I didn't, they didn't check my product. They right. literally went off of what I said. So it's what exactly was on like my website, <laughs> totally. but, but people are using an environmental working groups, the same people are using right. these apps to tell them how good product a product is, but the only products in the app, the companies have paid to have their products in the app. Right. 
their businesses. And they, uh, most of them, a lot of them have affiliate links too, which is fine. I don't have any issue with like linking and whatnot. It's the, it's, it's the irony of ingredient transparency, but you don't have a business that's transparent attached to a business that's supposed to be about transparency. Transparency, right. So these companies are literally just reaching out to brands being like, do you want to be on our app? Do you want to be on our app? And you have to pay to be on the app, like for a period of time. Like, it's not like you pay once, like you, it's an ongoing thing. Absolutely. How do you think they make money? Right. Right. The brands pay to be in their app and then they make money off of clicked through sales. Well, and I think this actually comes back to kind of this, like the purity piece, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, there's this transposing of like, if it's clean, it must be, if it's clean, it's pure. If it's pure, it must be good. Their intentions Mm -hmm. must be good. Their business model must be wholesome. Yeah. Rather than like, no, it's just still a business actually. And they're running it like a, a business. <laughs> and that's fine. The thing that's so funny is it's like, that's fine. That's actually fine. Right. If you want to, like, I personally, even when I'm on my high horse, I give zero shit. Like if you, everybody deserves to make a living. And if your living yep. is selling something, that is totally fine. Because that I don't have just to buy it. Legitimate, right. But it is as legitimate a thing as anything else, right? I think where it gets really like nebulous is when you have people who are clean beauty advocates, the lifestyle people, because Mm -hmm. whether they know they're doing it or not, they are implying that the way you are living your life is either dangerous, not good enough, um, uh, bad for you. And they often attach that to people with kids Mm -hmm. and there is nothing more, um, nobody less secure than a new mom. Right? Or even an older one. <laughs> or even an older. And if people are telling you, and it's not even implied, it's direct, right? Mm-hmm. Like I guarantee you, if I went on Instagram and was like, did a photo or a story of me putting Coppertone sunscreen on my kid, because newsflash, once I actually read into and looked deeply into sunscreen, I now buy Coppertone kids in a fucking multi-pack at Costco because that's the shit that goes on my kid's body. Come at me if you will. If some, I guarantee if I did that, I would get people to be like, oh, you should try this. Like, blah, blah, blah. Well, guess what? My kids run around in the sun and they get wet. And the like, na- the supernatural zinc sunscreen ruins their clothes and it doesn't last. It's not formulated to last a long time in water. A lot of those more natural sunscreens. So I'm going to put something on my kid that's going to last longer. It's not going to ruin their clothes. But that doesn't mean you have to put it on your kid. Right. I was just going to say, it's like you found what works for you. But you can smear zinc oxide on your kid and tell them that they're eating carrots and apparently that's going to give them SPF. Like, whatever, man. You do you with your kids. Yeah. I'm going to do me. But there's something about this industry that really loves to tell people that they're doing something wrong or they should be doing something better. Mm -hmm. Like, there's a lot of shame that sort of is implicit in the messaging with clean beauty. And I got to be honest, this as I started switching away from clean beauty products, holy shit do drugstore products work better? Like it's unbelievable. And now my skincare routine, is like a mix of like drugstore stuff and like super expensive shit from my skin lady, but like none of it. Well, but I mean, that's, clean. <laughs> this is the thing, right? Like that's what works for you. I am, I am somebody who like, I will wear I wear mascara and I do almost nothing else for my skin. And I'm actually totally fine with that. And it is working just fine for me. And until the time that that stops working, I'm going to continue to use like the same moisturizer I've used for the last six years and the same hundred percent, right? Like I found what works and I love it and I'm going to keep using it. And that's and it doesn't fine. matter what formulation it is, right? It could be like the cleanest of the, the clean as per clean beauty marketing, or it could not. And it doesn't matter because- Everybody just needs to, yeah, you got to align. For me. Yeah, you have to align what works with your budget, with mm-hmm. your skin, with your bandwidth. Honestly, mm-hmm. if you are stressed out picking the right products, I think that's a sign that it's time to kind of just be like, okay. I think this is part of the reason that I just will continue to use what I use now forever. Because you don't want found, to think about it. No, yeah. I found what we're, unless, until, unless it stops working, knock on wood, God, I hope that doesn't happen. I don't have the bandwidth to pick out a new cleanser right now. I just need to keep using the same one that I always use. 
And it, and, and that's exactly, it ticks the boxes that I care about. It aligns with, you know, my priorities. It aligns with my budget. It, you know, aligns with my bandwidth. It shows up in a box at my house, right? All of these things mean I don't have to, I don't have to figure something new out, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think for a lot of people, when we're, you know, if we're feeling, it's one thing when you're like, you know what, I'm going to find a new moisturizer. I'm going to, this moisturizer isn't working. I'm going to go seek something else out. Again, mm-hmm. you, you go through the steps and you find something that works for your budget and your bandwidth and your lifestyle and your own personal priorities. Right. Mm-hmm. But it, that doesn't have to come from a place of shame. No. And I think that's the real take-home message is that marketing in any facet is going to prey on insecurities. That's how, that's, That's I mean, that's what they do, right? Like that's (laughs) what happens. And, um, I think it's always good to take a step back and recognize that there's legitimately no morality attached to, um, products, especially skincare products. I shouldn't say that. I'm sure there are products where companies are overtly exploiting people. And then there is a issue, but at the, as the end user who is unaware Mm -hmm. of all, I don't think anybody also needs to feel it's a lot of bandwidth to feel like you're going to investigate every single product that you have in your house because well, you, you can't. And I think safe. in some ways I, I come back to this with so many things right now. I feel like a lot of times it's a distraction from things that are more important. Like it is 100%. more important. I think that we're talking about deforestation. It is more yes. important that we're talking about slave labor. It is more important that we're talking about, you know, business practices on that scale than, you know, kind of some of the other distractions that it's easy to get caught up in. Yeah. And I think that when you have bandwidth, it's always good to look at those bigger issues and Mm -hmm. see how you can maybe like, whether that means eating a bit less meat, whether that means like how you can on a, on a micro level for yourself, not take on the responsibilities of regulatory bodies. (laughs) Right. And just look at what you can do for you Mm -hmm. with your bandwidth that you've got. With your priorities, your bandwidth, and your budget. A hundred percent. Thanks so much for listening to email. We really appreciate your support. And if you could do us a big favor and subscribe and share this podcast, it would mean the world to us.